Welcome to the Readerly Report, a podcast of Readerly Magazine. Your hosts are Gail Weisswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so welcome to the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are, this is our first podcast of the new year because we recorded our last podcast in the last days of 2017. So um, we're going to kick this one off. We're going to talk about some books that we're looking forward to reading this quarter. Um, But let's start off with, I guess, Gail, what was your first book of the year? Oh, well, I had a first book, and then I had to interrupt it for another book So, because <laughs> okay. of book club. So um, my first book of the year was um, started out as The Leavers. So I'm like, I don't know, 60 or 70 pages into The Leavers. And then I had to stop and resume reading This Is How It Always Is by Lori Frankel for my book club, which is meeting next week. And I didn't finish that last year because I had to return the audio and I didn't have a copy of it. So I now have the print. I'm reading it in print. And then when that's done, I will resume the levers. Okay. So what were your thoughts? I mean, you had read a Lori Frankel book that you were sort of eh on. This one, are you liking it more? I am liking this one more. I am. Um, the last one had a really interesting premise, but it got kind of bogged down, and it was it had its dull moments. This one is not dull at all. It's about a family raising a transgender child, and they move when he's like five years old, um, and they decide to keep his uh, transgenderness a secret from his new friends and the new new community that they're in. So it's all about that secret, and it's it's great. I re- I'm over halfway done, and I really like it. Okay. And how are you liking The Leavers? Um, you know, I like it. Yeah, I'm invested I like it. in that. Yeah. No, I like it. Um, it's it's. Uh, I think it got really hyped. Like, everyone was like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And okay. I'm liking it. I don't, I'm not, like, head over heels yet, but I'm right. wondering if, if that will, if it'll pick up or if it'll, that'll change as I get more into it. Hmm. Or did it grab you right from the beginning? I don't know that it grabbed me right from the beginning. I thought it was a really good book. I thought it was well-written. I enjoyed the story. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's always difficult with uh, when you're talking about something like that, something that's so, you know, adoption and, and um, I guess, birth parents and the circumstances that they're in and you know, adoptive parents. I think it's one of those books that that probably, um, as you're trying to, I guess, empathize with the main character, probably shows you a lot more about your views than it does anything else. Yeah, he he seems kind of frustrating to me just because he doesn't, he keeps making bad choices, I guess. Right. And I guess I'm going to find out why and what happened. Um, but may, I don't know. I think I just need to get need to get further into it I just had like I only gave it about two or three days of the year and then I had to switch books no but I I definitely I don't think that you're wrong I I mean I do think that his his choices are frustrating or whatever and I do think that every reader has different ideas about how they would approach that thing um 
but I just thought the overall story and all of the detail in that was just, you know, gives you a really good picture. So, yes, definitely. Um, um, I have to mention two other books that one of which I read <laughs> and one of which I'm reading. Okay. Um, oh, and then I'm also doing another one on audio. I've got a lot going oh, on. Oh, right my now. gosh. You've got right a now. lot going on. This I have is... a lot going on. Um, <laughs> but the two other ones are one of them is so short, you can barely call it a book. Um, but I have to mention it because I think you would really like it. And I'm just looking up what the title was. It is the new Roz Chast um, cartoon. She's a cartoonist for the New York Times. I mean, sorry, the uh, New Yorker and a bunch of other places. And she has written this new book. Um, and it is like a book. It's a book about New York, a book about Manhattan. And it's like she going into town is what it's called. And she calls it a love letter to New York. It's actually something she created for her daughter who was going to college in Manhattan and didn't really know much about New York because they had moved her kids out when they were little to move to the suburbs. And she was like horrified at how inept her daughter was at getting around and didn't know East from West and, you know, which subway line was which. So it's just really funny because she's hilarious <laughs> and her drawings are hilarious. And then just to have her talk about New York, I thought that was funny. I mean, it took me about you know, half an hour to read. It wasn't long. <laughs> it counts. It counts? You think I can count that as a book for this year? Of course. Really? God, I was thinking I couldn't. It seemed too short. All right. I figured I'd review it, but I wouldn't necessarily count it. And then the other one is this book called The War Bride Scrapbook. Mm-hmm. And it's by Caroline Preston, who is like a historian and she's very into scrapbooks and uh clippings and sort of reconstructing stories through uh primary source artifacts like articles and ads and it's about a woman whose husband who kind of gets married at uh, in a whirlwind after like a one-week romance to this guy who then goes over to europe for world war ii and it's about it's a scrapbook she keeps while he's gone and it's really good so that one's longer. I think I will count that one. And I'm like, I don't know, a fourth of the way through that too. Okay. So, wow, you, you're off to a really great start to the year. Yeah, I hope so. Um, <laughs> it doesn't even count the audiobook. I'm reading, listening to Bruce Springsteen's uh, memoir. Okay, so are you all caught up in that? Is he narrating it? He's narrating it, which is great. I love that. And I can't speed it up either because I can't bear to tamper with Bruce's voice. <laughs> so I'm listening to it at 1.00. You can't turn him into Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I can't make him, I can't put some helium in, in his mouth. So yeah, so there's a lot going on. Um, what are you reading? So I'm not reading anything at the moment because I have finished, don't laugh, I finished seven books. Since um, the beginning of the year? Since the beginning of the year, I have gotten my mojo back and I have just... Oh my God. I get up in the morning and, you know, I start to read something and, you know, by noon, somewhere between noon and two, usually I'll, I'll finish if it's really good. So I've read some really good ones. A few, um, are not coming out until the latter part of this year or the midpoint of this year. So I won't even mention them, but, um, I read Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, great. And then you can watch the movie. Yeah which is exactly why I wanted to read it. I had gotten into it. It's a little too much dialogue for me. It's probably best left as a movie for me. There wasn't enough narrative in there. Um, but it's still Agatha Christie 
Val McDermott said something really interesting about crime fiction, and she said that she thought that it was on the cutting edge of always just sort of dealing with the issues that people um, go through in life. And I just feel like that with Agatha Christie, that even as dated as it is, you know, she was writing back in the, I guess, early 1900s, I want to say 1920s or 1930s. But she just, this book delves a lot into, of course, it's it's about these people who are on a train. So as you can imagine, there are people from all walks of life on this train, from like the poor to the rich. So there's these class differences or whatever. And it just, um, I guess she's exploring, she's exploring some things that would have been on people's mind back then. And I feel like as much history as I read, um, it just always comes down to that we keep getting stuck on the same issues, which I think is forgetting that people are people. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so that was one of the books that I finished up. Um, I finished this book called The Perfect Nanny. Yeah. Is it a thriller? It's a thriller. It won prizes in France or whatever. Um, it's about it. I mean, it starts off, you're just right in the story in the beginning because it starts off with this nanny has just, you know, she has just killed two of her charges or one is, one is dead and the other is dying. And I think she's done something to herself. So it just sort of goes back and looks at what led up to, you know, this horrible event. And, that sounds very stressful. Um, I don't know. It was a frustrating sort of read because on the one hand, I think it is intended to be this thriller, like this sort of what kind of happened thing, but it was sort of a disjointed read. There's like these beautiful passages that the author gets into that are just sort of very ably described, you know, the the politics, I guess, of having a nanny and some of the things that the parents might think or what the nanny might think in I guess the difference in lifestyle that you have clashing in this circumstance but on the it seemed a little bit heavy-handed so I don't know I think that there were musings in there that were very interesting but I don't know that it made for a solid page-turning story you know there was definitely parts where it's just like okay I'm sort of not into this that much and then you get to a part that was just like oh that was kind of interesting and beautifully written and something to think about so it was uneven in that way mm -hmm. I think it would make a very good discussion book but um, I don't know that, that you necessarily want to read it just to discuss it if you know what I mean yep so those sorry are, well you were off to a strong start I'm off to a strong start and yeah, you definitely uh, have your mojo back yeah, well, hopefully I'm aiming for a book a week, and you're reading a book a day. <laughs> yeah, right now. But this will give me a good cushion, because things tend to be up and down. So if I decide not to read for the next two weeks, I'm still okay. and on track for my, I don't know what my goal will be this year, maybe 120. That I won't try good. to break any records, because you know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Don't bring up the word break. <laughs> Um, so I guess let's jump into like, what are the books that we are looking forward to this first quarter? I mean, there's lots of books that are talking, I mean, lots of lists that are out that are talking about, you know, the most anticipated books of 2018. My approach into looking into it was to look at authors that I've really liked to see who has what coming out in this first quarter. So I have about seven 
um, okay. books by, and it's all women, of course. <laughs> women right. whose books that I really like and who have a book coming out this quarter. So what about you? <laughs> um, I have, yeah, I think I also have seven, somewhere around that. Um, actually, for me, none of these are repeat authors, except for one. Uh, none of them are repeat authors, but they're just ones that either I've heard about and I have in the house because I've sought them out or ones I've just read about, uh, you know, in, in kind of upcoming upcoming lists. Okay, so, so now you start and I us off. haven't we haven't looked at each other's lists, so we may have overlap. So we might have overlap. In which uh, case, I have a couple in reserve. <laughs> no, I mean I think that's fine if we have overlap. I mean I think it just shows that the same things are appealing to us. Although I don't, I, I don't recognize a lot of these authors, so it may be that they, that we don't. Um, okay, so my first one comes out also on Tuesday, and it is called "This Could Hurt" by Jillian Meadoff. Do you have that one on your list? It's not on my list, but I do have it. It, okay. did, it did catch my eye. So so this is a workplace novel, which I like a lot. Um, I saw someone describe it as the fusion of the nest up in the air and then we came to the end. And mm. um, that appeals to me. I liked the nest. All of those. Yeah, and then we came to the end and I liked the movie up in the air. I didn't know that was based on a book. Um, or maybe it isn't, but um, it's about five colleagues who work in the HR department of a company sort of trying to deal with change. It says balancing ambition, hope, and fear as their small company is buffeted by economic forces that threaten to upend them. I mean, I feel like this is like my life. I don't work in HR, <laughs> but I do work in a company and, you know, workplace issues and trends and forces and pressures obviously are a big part of my life on a daily basis. So, um, this was reviewed in the post last week and then I found it on another list and I, you know, definitely want to check that one out. Yeah. I think I've read the first chapter of that book. Oh, and? um, I have it and I think it'll be, I think it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. Do you have it in print? No, it's, um, ebook. Uh-huh. But I previewed it and it looked, it looked promising. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure about it at first. I didn't see Up in the Air. Oh, that's a good movie. Um, then We Came to the End is a weird book because the, I think the part that's told through the eyes of the workplace, like the people who work there, is in first-person plural. So it's like a Greek chorus almost. Right. Um, and if I remember correctly, I mean, that book came out probably over 10 years ago, um, it or maybe about 10 years ago, I think it's about like an advertising agency dealing with the recession and how everyone's stressed about being laid off. And then I remember it changes vantage point in another chapter because one of the executives that they talk about has breast cancer. And I think that part is told in third person. I, I may be wrong about all that, but it, it's, it's an odd book. Joshua Ferris is a weird guy, I think anyway. And, um, he, you know, I've read a few by him. I think I've read three by him or two at least. And, um, I think he was on your list of like people, authors that you've read all of their books or something. Oh, or that may be. I think there's a third one that I can't remember. There's another, another book he wrote about this guy who, the guy who can't stop walking. Like he, Oh yeah. That wakes up. And, yeah. That was, it was a very sad book. Um, so he's a weird guy, but it's, that was, that was an interesting book. And if they're going to compare this to, you know, two other things I liked as well, then this, I'll definitely give this one a try. All right. What was your first one? 
All right, so my first one, I don't even know if this counts. My first one is an American marriage, which, you know, I I jumped the gun like you did with, I think, Curtis and Fell Short Stories. Yeah. So at this point, I read this book six months ago. It's coming out February 6th. Um, I definitely think that if you have a library where you like to get on the whole list or if you like to pre-order things, that this is a book that you should pre-order. Um, she set out to write a book. She did. She got a fellowship, I think, from Harvard, and she had a chance to do all of this research. And she did a bunch of research into the criminal justice system and, I guess, um, African-American men and incarceration rates or whatever. And she had said that, you know, she had done all of this research and she really didn't have the heart to the story until she overheard this couple talking about being separated in the mall and she came up with this idea and it is about these newlyweds who are in love and you know he is an executive and she I believe has her own business and they go and they visit uh, I want to say it's his parents house for Christmas I mean it doesn't matter whose parents house but um, during that visit he is arrested and he ends up being incarcerated or he gets a sentence of 12 years. So it's all about what it does to their relationship and, you know, the hardships that she encounters in be in having a, a husband that's in jail. And of course, it's also told from his perspective and how difficult that is, you know, because she knows, she knows absolutely, there's like never a doubt that he's committed this crime. So she knows that he didn't do it, but it's about the effect on their relationship. And it was just such a beautiful story told in such a beautiful way um this horrendous thing that happens to this young couple and um so it's out february 6th and diary jones she's like one of my favorite writers like i really love her writing and the the premises i think that she decides to take on and um have you read anything about her other than silver sparrow no so this is only my second book by her you know, she is someone I would like to go back into her work because she, I think the first novel that she wrote was about the Atlanta child murders, um, which I believe were in the 70s or 80s. And it was about, I guess, a serial killer who was targeting young black children, mostly boys. So I think she she tends to seek out interesting subject matter. Um. First of all, I think this definitely counts. I don't know why I wouldn't, just because you've already read it. Um, <laughs> I'm still heavily anticipating it coming out and seeing how other people enjoy it. And and then people that I want to recommend it to, they can get their hands on it. Uh, I I'm think it's a perfect book club book. Yeah. Uh, I have this, and I think I picked it up with, at, at the same time you did at BEA. I haven't read it yet, so I will. this will be high on my list. I really liked um, Silver Sparrow. I think I did an online book club for Silver Sparrow, which I think you read it for. I think or, so. Or you at least had read it already. But um, And joined in. Yeah. All right, good. Well, that's, that's high on my list for the next year. Um, okay, so my next pick is getting lots of buzz, and it's The Immortalists by Chloe Benjamin. So this one's coming out Tuesday as well. And um, it is about four children who, when they're young, are told the dates of their death by a fortune teller. And then it tracks their lives and how knowing the day they're going to die impacts their lives and the decisions that they make. 
So this book is getting like so much buzz. I feel like everywhere I turn, someone's talking about it. And I've actually recommended this. We haven't even, our book club hasn't even met yet. And I've recommended this for the next one because it just looks so good. So um, hopefully, I was actually going to recommend this one or the Tayari Jones. So, uh, I, you know, we'll see which one people pick. But hopefully between, uh, I'll be reading one of them. And um, you and I got this during the Buzz, uh, Editor's Buzz panel stampede at the end where we were trying to get books. So I don't know if yeah, you still have it. Yeah, we our lives. Yeah, I do just, still have it. I don't know. I mean... 1969 Lower East Side. I think I started, I read like a chapter and I just don't know if I like that time period for New York. So we'll see. Mm. <laughs> um, can I make a comment that has nothing to do with what we're talking about? Sure. It Those really are the best kinds me. of comments. <laughs> yes, I'm going to go on a rant. Everyone sit back and get ready because I'm going to rant. I really get annoyed that Goodreads only makes four stars available for reviews because what do you I, mean? No, I guess it's five stars. But I feel like it's, that five is not flexible enough. Because for me, so many books fall between a three and a four. Uh, oh, so you me, mean they should do half stars? Half stars or make it out of ten, which is effectively the same thing. So right. I feel like, um, for me, like a five is like really rare. That's the kitchens of the great Midwest. Like that, That's like once or twice a year. I have to get, I have to get it in in every podcast. Um, that is a really rare occurrence. So that like almost never happens. But then I feel like you look at a three and it look like if you, if I review a book, if I look at someone's review and they've given it a three, my first reaction is, oh, that book must kind of suck. But that's, that's not really fair because for me. Yeah, but isn't like, that three sort of like a six? It's a six out of 10. You wouldn't read a six out of 10. I would or would not. You would not. Right. But I feel like giving it a four, like a lot of books giving them a four is too high. So I want a three and a half or a seven. I just want more flexibility because it's sometimes I feel like I do great inflation. I give books fours that don't deserve it, but I feel like giving them a three is too low. See, I don't rate books on Goodreads for that reason. I think I give either fours or fives. And five is just sort of like, I've given American Marriage a five. It's going to get a five. And everything else sort of gets a four. But what if you read something and you don't love it? Then I, don't, then I don't read it. Oh, do you even review it on Goodreads? You just leave the star out? Um, or do you just not even bother? No, I just don't bother. Oh, I don't, I mean, because I would never read a three. If, if I see the majority of people... You know whose reviews I trust. If you give it a three, I'm probably not going to read it. Yeah, but there may like, be. I'm going to read when... the book that you that you've given a four or five, unless it's something I really want to read and just feel like I might think differently for whatever reason. Well, I find myself often disagreeing with a lot of people. Like people will love a book and I just don't. So right. I'll give it a three, but I want credit for reading it. So I want to, and and I feel like I actually find negative reviews on Goodreads really helpful because I I don't want to go on there and see a bunch of fours and fives. Like I want to read the. What did the people who didn't like it have to say? Yeah, but you see, I don't read I don't read reviews before I read books. Like, I want to see mm. what I'm going to think about it beforehand and then figure that out, and then I'll go and read reviews. That's so interesting. So you and I approach Goodreads very differently. Very differently, Both yes. as a reader and as a reviewer. Yeah, because if, if there's something that I really, really want to read and say, then I happen to see on Goodreads that you gave it, like, a three – 
or Catherine from Gilmore Guide to Books gave it a three, then I might still read it, but I'm going to want to read it a little less. I'm a little sad because already <laughs> just, like, this might not be that good. That's so interesting. It's my excuse to sort of put it down the list too, because I have so many things that I want to read that it's just kind of like, yeah. oh, these people, I generally trust their reviews and they just thought it was, eh, so whatever. I won't read it. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, sorry, that was a little bit of a, a, an aside. Um, but I think an instructive one. <laughs> okay, good. All right, so my third book, I think we're up to number three. We are? Well, I've done... What was your second book? The Immortalists. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, have you only done one? I've only done one. Oh, sorry, so my... your turn. I jumped the gun. My second book is The Glass Forest by Cynthia Swanson. And... A couple of weeks ago, you had sent me text messages. These are the best text messages from Gail. She sends me pictures of books, and I have to tell her which one she gets to keep and which one she can't. So she, the bookseller was in – it was in your picture. Right. And I said that you should keep that. I really right. like The Bookseller by Cynthia Swanson. It's sort of like um, a little bit – a little bit like – time travel or a little bit like these two periods because it's about this this woman who is a bookseller and she like lives with her cat and she has this quiet life um you know I don't know going out to dinner with her best friend and she's a bookseller but at night she has these really vivid dreams where her think in in her bookseller life she's Kitty but in her non-bookseller life she's Catherine and she has this dreamy husband and two kids and the dreams keep getting more and more vivid, so it starts to seem like she's going to have to make a choice between the two lives that she's living. And, of course, it's about, you know, which life will she choose and what does it mean to be fulfilled and all these different questions. It's a really good book. And um, so, and now she has a book called The Glass Forest that's coming out. Um, it's also, it's set in 1960, so this seems to be Cynthia Swanson's period. <laughs> okay. The 1960s, but it's about this couple who's just starting out and they go and help a husband's niece whose mother or whose father has just committed suicide and the mother is missing. And it's sort of about the lives of these these three women. And she did such a great job in the bookseller in exploring issues you know, that women face that I'm just really looking forward to read, to reading this one. All and right. you should really read the bookseller because I'm curious to see what you think. Um, You'll give it a three. I'll be heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a four. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next book. Okay. So next book for me, um, it's called Everything Here is Beautiful by Mira Lee. And I actually think I have this in the house. I think somebody sent me a pitch for it, and I got it in the mail. And then I thought it looked really good, but then, um, I don't know, reading the description of it after, like in prep, prepping for this podcast, it, I I'm, feel like I'm less interested in it. But it's called A Debut Novel About the Bond Between Two Sisters After the Death of Their Mother and the Test of Loyalties. I think there's mental illness in there. I think they live abroad. I can't remember where they're living. Um so what doesn't appeal to you? What knocked it off Let's the see, list? What was it? For The Immortalist, um, it was 1969, New York. I'm just like, I you. don't know if I want to read about grungy New York, but we'll see. Uh, 
I don't know, it takes place in Ecuador. And I think it was, I think it was when I saw the mental illness part that I was not as interested in it because I don't know. I, 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 I don't know why it doesn't, for some reason, just reading the, the plot, it just, I wasn't like, oh, I really got to get that book and start reading it. But maybe, maybe it's fine. It says, told in alternating points of view, everything here is beautiful, is as at its heart the story of a young woman's quest to find fulfillment in a life unconstrained by her illness. So, so I think you it'll just be... have to read a, a chapter and see. It, that, for me, would come down to is the writing of my style. Because I think I had similar... I've, I've, I'd seen that book. Like all the books that you've mentioned, I feel like the books that I'm mentioning are, like I said, by authors who I've read before and they have new books coming out. So you're getting all the debut authors on our list. And I've right. seen this one, but I think I have the same concerns as you. I like, I would read a, I would see. Right. Um, okay. So that was my number three. All right, so my number three is a book called Winter Sisters. It's by Robin Oliveira. It's a follow-up to this book called My Name is Mary Sutter, which um, was about a civil war. I believe she's a nurse at the time, and maybe she becomes a doctor later on. I really liked her book. It was a debut novel at the time. This is the follow-up. This is the second one that she's written, and it is about um, these these two sisters who disappear up in Albany. Um, and I guess Mary goes to investigate and, you know, when they find out what happens to these sisters, it has an effect on the town. So, um, she really writes really good historical fiction. So I'm just very interested to follow up, get back into the life of Mary Sutter. Hmm, okay. All right, my next one is called Girls Burn Brighter by Shobha Rao. It's called A Devastating Novel About Hope and Loss Following the Lives of Two Girls with an Extraordinary Bond Who Are Cruelly Separated and Their Drive to Be Together Again. So I think that this book takes place in India and then ultimately in Seattle. So it's about a girl in, in India who is living... Um, a very difficult life. Like I think her mother dies and her father basically uses her to take care of the younger kids. And she's living just this really depressing life. And then this other girl comes into it, the life. Um, I don't know how, under what circumstances, and it sort of changes the first girl's life a lot. And she feels like, Oh, there's all this possibility. I don't know if it's a romantic thing. Like she falls in love with her or something happens. And then the second girl there's some tragedy and she has to leave. So then it's about how the first girl's trying to find her later on. And I think that's what takes her to Seattle. So that just sounded really good. Um, I don't, I don't know again, if there's like a lesbian element to it or not, but it just, the description sounded pretty good. Yeah, that sounds really good. All of her, the books that they are comparing this book to were real. I really liked. We Need New Names by No Violet. Bulawayo was really good. And the Namesake by Yumpa Lahiri and Homegoing by Yah Gessi. Oh, wow. That is a good list. The first one I haven't read, but you gave it to me and I have it. And the <laughs> other two, uh, you and I have discussed at length. So, uh, yeah. oh, good. All right. Well, that comes out on March. So good to look forward to. Mm-hmm. My, is, are we on number four? Mm-hmm. So, number four for me is The Other Mother by Carol Goodman. 
she's sort of like my sort of popcorn candy, sort of like she writes these these mysteries, but they're very involved, usually collegiate life, you know, um, women and fairy tales. But this time she's written a book. Um, it does take place upstairs in the Catskills, but it's about a new mother who might be suffering from postpartum depression, and she becomes involved with this new friend who also has a young child. But, you know, pretty soon they're inseparable and they're doing everything together. But their being friends comes at a shocking price. So... Ooh, that sounds good. Um, I really liked Carol Goodman's The Lake of Dead Languages. And here's another book that she wrote that I really enjoyed. Um, her last couple of books, I think, have the endings for me have been rushed. But I'm hoping she is sort of back to form with this. This book sounds really, I don't know, in my wheelhouse. So, When does it come out? I'm going to read it. March 27th. Ooh, I want to read that. The Other Mother. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, okay, so my next one, I slipped in an early April book because I had to. Um, <laughs> so Meg Wolitzer has a new book out. <laughs> I know, I'm crazy, reckless. Uh, Meg Wolitzer has a new book out. Oh, that's good. Yep, called The Female Persuasion. And somebody says, how does Wolitzer always know how to write exact, always know to write the exact, I'm sorry, let me start over again. How does Wolitzer always know to write exactly the novel we want to read? Here she explores big, important questions of feminism, its evolution from the glorious Steinem days till now, what it means to be a young person trying to make a difference in the world, the power and compromise required to work both within and outside of the system the ways relationships change, plus so much more. So this sounds very relevant to what's going on right now. Um, women... Is this nonfiction? No, it's fiction. It's a novel. I loved her book, The Wife. Um, I think she might do feminism well. I Her last book... The Interestings? The Interestings? I didn't read that. I couldn't get into it. Oh, okay. I liked it. She's so detailed. And then detailed. she did a YA I, I, novel that I didn't oh, read. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't read it that It sounded good. Yeah. I love her writing. I just, she's so detailed. It's so satisfying. She leaves, like, no <laughs> stone unturned. Everything is so analyzed to death. You know exactly what everyone's thinking at all times, and I find that very satisfying. She's um, Gail's literary best friend. Yeah, exactly. She and Lori <laughs> Frankel. The better Lord. Like, the this this version of Lori Frankel that I'm reading right now. Um yeah, I really like her. I met her once at when you and I were at some penguin. Uh, I think it was penguin party. party. Yeah, probably. Back it was in the probably day when they did the bird bash. Party. Yeah, I think it was at the bird bash. So that book is getting lots of buzz. I'm gonna see if I can try to get my hands on it soon, but um, it comes out on April third. So my next book is A Reckoning by Linda Spaulding. Um, I read her last book. It was what was the name of her last book? I can't remember. The Purchase is the name of her last book. And she writes these really interesting books. It looks like her niche is the Civil War, slavery in the Civil War. Her last book was about Quakers. Like, it, it, it's this Quaker family, I think, that's on a trip somewhere. And I think he's forced to sell one of his slaves. But it looked like, I mean, Quakers are not known for owning slaves. But there were a few Quakers who did, and that was what one of the, the purchase was about. And it was just like, 
very detailed historical fiction, really interesting, you know, something that has a different aspect that makes it appealing to read about. And so she's doing this again. Um, it's, this takes place in Virginia. It's the Civil War. It's slave-owning brothers. And basically, someone comes to visit their land. He's a naturalist. And he he's his cover is that he's interested in nature and how plant life works or whatever. And he insinuates himself in this family. But he's really there to just sort of distribute maps and information to slaves, I guess, to facilitate um, their run to freedom. So, of course, there's a bunch of different elements that can can be suspenseful and thrilling. And she's such a good writer that I'm just interested in what her take on it. She tends to present things in a unique way. Her writing is beautiful. Um, so, yeah, so I'm definitely interested in and seeing what her follow-up to the purchase is like. I'm so intrigued that you and I have no overlap. Well, that's because I think you did all new people. Yeah, that's true. Not that you had read any Linda Spaulding. Well, that's the thing is if there had been... Or Carol Goodman. Yeah, if there had been books I'd read before, authors I'd read before, I would have included them, like Meg Bolter. Right. (laughs) Um, Okay, so my next one is called Tangerine, and it is a thriller and it is about a woman in Morocco and she's there and an old friend of hers appears in Morocco and she's already feeling lonely and adrift and sort of out of place and then this friend appears apparently it's already been optioned for a movie so it's clearly like a pretty compelling I have it is on my list to read okay oh yeah I think oh. I saw that on in Goodreads that you had marked that yeah all right well one of us should try to get our hands on it and read it. Yeah. Um, Okay. Next for you. So my next is Still Me by Jojo Moyes. Oh. Um, I read Me Before You, loved Me Before You. Um, I read After You. And a lot of people did not love After You. And I I will say, so After You is the sequel to Me Before You. And Me Before You, of course, you know, I don't know. It's that movie that has Daenerys Targaryen in it. Amelia Clark. <laughs> um, and also the guy in that movie. He was so right. cute. Yes, he was. Well, Did you like the movie? Yes. <laughs> liked the yeah. book and the movie. Yes. yes. So, um... Did you so like the movie? Before, I did. I did. Okay. I mean, it was so faithful to the book, I thought. That was perfect. So, Me Before You, for those of you who don't know, is Jojo Moyes, is, I would say it's like her breakout novel here, because I, I feel like she had written a bunch of books maybe before this in the UK, but this was her book that made her name here, and it was about um, this young woman who is sort of drifting along. She's living with her family. She doesn't want to know what she wants to do for work, and she takes a position as a caregiver for this really active guy who's become a paraplegic and it's their very sad, very charming love story, charming and and sad love story, tragic, um, tragic love story. So after you sort of picks up where me before you has left off. And I think that people didn't like it because I feel like, or I heard that people didn't like it. You didn't read it. Did you? I did read it. You did? Did you? I did. You did. I uh, liked it. I felt like I heard that people didn't like it, and I felt like it 
my thought was it was because it did not follow the typical, I guess it wasn't happy. It was realistic to someone who has been through a tragic experience and how does she put her life back together? And she makes some missteps. So I don't think it went into a, traje- a trajectory that people wanted for this character after she had been yeah. through so much. You know, I think it was very realistic in terms of how she was dealing with her grief and, you know, she, how um, she wasn't thriving. Is this where she ends up getting involved with the ambulance driver, Sam? Yes, yes. And, so this yeah, one, okay. though, is still me. Is is she's Somehow she's gone to New York and now she's... Um, She's involved with this very super rich couple, um, but yeah, she's she set, still... she set that up at the end of the book. I remember there right. was like some job opportunity right. to be a caretaker or something. Right, to these people who or, yeah. are very wealthy. So she's thrown into this very privileged lifestyle, and she's still trying to, I guess, pursue her relationship with Sam, the ambulance guy. Yeah, I... It's funny In some that, ways, I think that this is probably the book that people would have liked to see her, you know, just, I guess, immediately launched back into this world of privilege and opportunity. Yeah. Um, so, but it'll be interesting to see how it is. I think with Jojo Moyes, like, she's she's got some unexpected depth to her. Like, I think right. it, it's easy to write her off as, like, bestseller women's fiction um, but there's, there's really more to it, which was, which is the book that I'm trying to remember. Um, there's something about a single mom with a couple of kids and she's trying to get one of them to this exam. Is that, does that ring a bell at all to you? Was that Jojo Moyes? I don't know. Cause I, outside of, the, you know, I haven't ventured much into the Jojo Moyes landscape besides the me before you books. Um, which is unfortunate, but... Right. Well, I'm looking up to see if that was her also. My point is just that she... I did like the fact that um, After You was a little messy and was realistic. Yes. And she wasn't perfect and she was frustrating. I mean, I think I think that... Um, uh, what's her name? Clark. I keep wanting to call her... Louisa. Right. Louisa Clark. She's... She's a very good person and she... I mean, she's a very compelling heroine and yes yeah, she makes little missteps but it's not like she ever you know does bad things or does things that are mean or bad to other people no, she's just she a little just thing you you know just as the I guess um will in the first book wants to push her a little bit more I think you always want to just sort of push her you know yeah yeah okay one plus one that's the other one I read that was Jojo Moyes about this mother a single mother with a couple kids um was that good would you recommend yeah that? good like I mean her books are all good like uh, those are the three I've read and they're good like they she tells stories really well as I said they have a surprising depth to them but they're not heavy they're certainly not difficult reading um I mean I wouldn't call it literary fiction it's really just kind of contemporary or popular women's fiction but she's she's just I don't know with heft yeah with heft yeah and uh I was a little nervous about this one that when you and happy to see that you put it on your list because my I, my first instinct when I heard there was a third one coming out was like oh god like <laughs> you know how she's getting so far afield from me before you but then as you're talking about after you I think I'm I'm realizing that I liked it more than I was remembering that I did I would probably read this one too I right don't know. It's, she's it's but we draw the line here 
That's it. After this, no more. Um, she had a book that came out that I had in the house for a really long time, and it just did not look appealing. It was about some art, some sculpt, some painting or something, and I never read it. So, but I, I would re- I would read this one. I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll wait for you to read it, and then I'll hear what you say, and then I'll decide if I'm going to read it. If you see that I give it a four, you'll know it's safe. Right. If you review it, if you if you rate it on Goodreads at all. Um. Okay, so my last one is sounds light, like kind of in the same category as, as Jojo Moya's. Um, it's called Now That You Mention It, and I forgot to wrote, write down who wrote it, so I'm going to look. Oh, here it is, Kristen Higgins. I've never heard of her before. Um, this one actually came out already, so I cheated. It came out on December 26th. Um, and, uh, like, this looks light. This looks like something maybe I would take on vacation, but it's about uh, a woman who – is living in Boston, and she gets hit by a car. No, maybe you shouldn't read it. Um, <laughs> she gets hit by a car, and then uh, she decides to go home, like to, to visit her house. And she's left. Gosh, this is hitting so close to home. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> um, but she had left her Maine. She grew up in Maine, and she had left that hometown 15 years earlier and not returned so she's got a kinds of unfinished business back at home with her mother with her niece with her sister and then with other like people from high school so um i mean it sounds like someone calls it a witty emotionally charged novel about the complications of life love and family again it doesn't seem like super heavy but it just sounded kind of cute so, and it's gotten, uh, I'm on Amazon, but like the Amazon reviews, which I, I don't, I know are usually inflated, but, um, lots and lots and lots of fives, fives hmm. and fours almost entirely. So, um, I, I think that this is an author that has written a lot of books and people are writing, oh, I love her books and this didn't disappoint. So she probably has a bit of a formula here, but, um, I don't know, looked at, looked, it caught my eye. So that was my you number gotta, seven. You gotta follow up if you can give it at the eye. I <laughs> gave it the eye. <laughs> so that was my All last right. one. What else do you have any left? Okay, so my last one is I was Anastasia by Ariel Ariel Lahon. And she wrote this book um, that I really loved. It was called The Wife, the Mate, and the Mistress, which is sort of historical fiction based on a true story about this judge. Um Gosh, I can't think of the time period. Coney Island comes to mind. It's probably in the 1950s New York. But she does historical fiction really well, really detailed, compelling stories. I think you would really like her. Hmm, okay. um, her second book was called Flight of Dreams, which was about that, the Hindenburg, I think. Um, I haven't read that one. But this one, of course, is about, um, it's about this woman, Anna Andrews, who for... <clears throat> Anna Anderson, who for a long time thought or claimed that she was the Grand Duchess Anastasia, of course, who was um, killed in 1918. I think there is actual confirmation of this, that they actually found her bones somewhere. But this is the story of this woman and, I guess, her memories and sort of um, why she has decided to make this claim in her life. She does historical fiction really well. Of course, this is one of sort of the the mysteries of our age, you know, whether Anastasia really survived the firing squad back in 1918. So this takes on, you know, all of that, the people that she was involved with and 
I guess, the evidence for and against her and why people who were really close to the Grand Duchess would have believed her. Um, so she's just putting those facts forward, I guess, so that you can figure out what you believe or... But this has always been one of those really compelling stories and, you know, she does historical fiction really well. So I'm, you know, very curious to see what she does with this. Nice. All right. Well, I think that's good, a good start. Um, we will link to all of these books in the show notes so that if any of them caught your eye, you can look them up and add them to your TBR, mark them to read and Goodreads, pre-order from Facebook, I mean Facebook, pre-order from Amazon, whatever it is that you... You can uh, do your thing. Do your thing, whatever it is, however you like to, to keep track of what to read next. So we will, um, we will be hopefully getting to some of these books this quarter, and we will report back on how they went, and we'll see, well, we'll check in in a couple months and see how many of these we actually read. All right, well, Happy New Year to all of our readerly listeners and readers. Uh, we hope that 2018 is a year filled with fantastic four and five star books. <laughs> <laughs> and um, until next time, happy reading. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com. And you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. And Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading. <laughs>